Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. New era begins for gangrene with the hiring of Robert Sala from the San Francisco 49ers. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including a Hall of Famer in one minute here on the Goodyear Hotline. We should mention when it comes to the Jets, one of two head coaching vacancies filled yesterday, the other Urban Meyer. Key, as a former Jet, I mean, you can count on one hand the number of ultra-successful head coaches the New York Jets have had. You could go back to Weeb. You could certainly go to Rex. You could go to Herm. You could go, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough, Joe Walton. I mean, there are some guys there, but over the Pantheon, certainly in that group would be the legendary Bill Parcells, who, of course, took the Jets to great heights, two Super Bowl championships with the Giants, the Cowboys, the Pats, the Hall of Famer, mm. and, of course, the toughest gig of all, Managing Keyshawn Johnson, and he joins us this morning on the Goodyear <laughs> Hotline. Coach, good morning. It's great to have you back on the program. I remember the last time you were here, you were listening to the show, and you texted Key, and you gave him a little football jargon. So let's go big picture with you because of the great relationship that you had with Key, a long, winding relationship in the hotbed that is New York City. What was it like to be around Key, coach him, and your relationship with him? Well, you know, the first thing I did when I found out I was going to go to the Jets is I called Key's former coach, John Robinson. I said, John, tell me about Keyshawn. He didn't even blink. He said, you're going to love this guy. And he was absolutely right. From the first day I got him, Keyshawn, we had a little discussion about his weight very early on <laughs> because he his rookie year, he looked like more like a tight end when I was coaching against him <laughs> still at the Patriots. And so we got that squared away, and it was never a problem. Well, that, that would be true. I was a little heavier than what I probably should have been. And Bill, Bill goes to me, he goes, how, how much do you weigh? And I think at the time I was about 230. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, what the hell are you 234? Where's that guy that I saw in the Rose Bowl? And I was like, oh, he's about – 208, he goes, well, that's the guy that I want. I came back at 205. So, you know, our relationship has continued to blossom for since then. Coach, let me ask you this. What was your reaction to the hiring of Robert Sala for the Jets last night? Well, you know, not knowing him personally, I thought he had done a good job as a coordinator in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, quite obviously the Jets did their homework and they decided that's the guy. And offense, defense, whatever it be, Key, I think you know you need a guy that's a team leader first. And he's got to be able to stand up there and talk to everybody and command respect and try to devise a plan that everyone understands. The main thing, I think, Robert, he's been in the league for a while now, so he should understand the league and who's playing. That's vital in being a head coach. That's something someone like Urban Meyer is going to have to adjust to. And you're just hopeful that they can get enough good players. They have some ammunition. I like Sam Darnold myself. Um, I, I like him. I think in the, in the right place, in the right system, he can be successful. So that's notwithstanding the fact he played Southern Cal. You know, we <laughs> we got to. You've had, you've had some good players come out of USC play for you, so stop, coach. Let me ask you, you mentioned Urban Meyer. You've, you've hired coaches before as the lead dog on teams. 
What do you think Urban Meyer needs to do to be successful in Jacksonville? He is a personnel acquisition business. He's still going to be able to coach his system. That's not the problem. The problem is learning who's playing, learning the league. And I mean learning the whole league. You've got to know who's doing these jobs for these teams, what are the prototypes necessary, who who are the players you have to contend with as opponents. You have to know the league very well. Key, when I was coaching, I know I, I probably never disclosed this, I used to take two teams a day, 20 or 30 minutes every morning, and go over the rosters of two teams and just try to, Think about the players on those teams, what they look like in the draft, what I had thought about them in the draft. The next day I would do two other teams. I would go all the way through till I was done with the, all the teams in the league, and then I'd go back and start over. And just to keep my mind fresh on who these players were, what jobs they might be able to do, how they could possibly fit into my team if a trade possibility ever came up, things like that. That's the hard part. No one who's playing. Bill, for a guy like Urban Meyer, you would think that he wanted autonomy coming into this situation to be able to, you know, not any predetermined thoughts about if I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence or not, ultimately let him make the decision. As a coach who was in the league for a very long time and extremely successful, how would you advise him on how to balance listening from, from, to his staff and his GM and making his decisions? Well, you have to have a vision on personnel because it is a personnel acquisition business. Now they have a lot of capital. They have a high pick. They have money. They got, you know, a lot, multiple draft picks, but the, the vision for personnel, as you want to integrate them into your system that you're going to run is, is vital. And you know, this guy may be a good player, but he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit what I want to try to do. So you have to, you got to have that vision. And that takes a little time to get because it's a new environment. And pro football is a different animal than college football. And it's, that's, that's, I think, the hard part of the adjustment. And that's why some college coaches have, have not done well in trying to transition to the pro game. You've got to know who's playing I want to ask – go, go oh, ahead. Sorry. I was going to say – sorry, sorry, Subin. Coach, you had the number one pick before. You decided to trade it. What went into that thought? Well, I, I – the, 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 the hands-down guy that everybody thought was a tackle from Ohio State that year, played, wound up playing a long time for the Rams. We needed multiple players. Now, I had the number one pick twice. One time we drafted the quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, at New England. The other time we traded the pick. We, we needed multiple players, and I personally just didn't want to draft a tackle in the first round or a player like that. I wanted to try to move down and, and get more picks to, you know, we had traded away all our picks to New England for me to get there. So, <laughs> trying to get back. Hey, uh, Coach, we're joined by Bill Parcells, the Hall of Famer. Many of you, of course, may know him as the head coach of the Pats. And 
the Cowboys and the Jets and even working at ESPN. But I think to most people out there of age, Bill Parcells is most known as the head coach of the New York Giants and leading them to two Super Bowl championships. And that's where I want to go with you. You have a history with the Jets, but, you know, the Giants started 0-5 this year. They started 1-7. Everybody was ready to throw Joe Judge right out the door, and they made it to the brink of the playoffs. Uh, as somebody that I'm sure still follows the Giants, what would you make of their season under first-year head coach Joe Judge? Well, I think they, they, I think they made progress. I do follow football, the whole league. Uh, I still like it very much. I'm very excited about this weekend. Uh, but I'm a, you know, I, 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 I'm a giant at heart. I grew up right near the stadium, just like Key is a Southern Cal guy. He grew up right near the field there. So I think he did a good job. I think the team played hard for him. I think they're short on players. I think they need more players, more of them. And, of course, they got to get Barkley back. And they got to get him playing like he can play. And, you know, I think if they're able to do that, I think they'll progress. If not, you know, it'll be hard. Coach, you're a tough evaluator, as I know, and everybody else knows. You evaluate talent uh, from beginning to end. And this is threesome on this show, and I'm sure you've evaluated us. So (laughs) what's your assessment of how we're doing? I think we're doing good. I think it's a nice blend. I think we got uh, a, a very, very astute uh, moderator. I think we got a, a high-pressure offensive guy. And then I think we got – now, see, Jay might not even know this, but he's one of my homeboys, you know. He's oh. from close in where I'm from, so I just like him by virtue of his, uh, his background. <laughs> okay, Thanks, Jersey guys. Yeah, we stay together. That's right, That's stay together, right. coach. There's All a, day. You know, we're not too tough, but there's a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make sure back in your day to make the analogy correct that all of us remain Phil Sims and nobody becomes Jeff Hostetler. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets replaced. But you won with everybody under the sun. It's such an honor to catch up with you. You love the game of football. You'll enjoy divisional round action as will we, and hopefully Coach will do it again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Coach. All right, Coach. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's the great Bill Parcells joining best, us this year on the good year. Oh, no, so stories for days, right? Today, sometimes I said, you told me that yesterday, Coach. He just likes to tell stories. You know, it's just one of those, Bill, you told me that yesterday. I already heard that one. You told <laughs> me that two years ago, Coach. <laughs> So now we're getting ready for Divisional Weekend, which Coach is looking forward to, as are all of us. But the Divisional Round is one thing, because if you play in the Divisional Round, one of two things has happened. You've won a wild card game, but it's still a wild card game, but you had to earn your right to get to the Divisional Round. Or, in most years, it's the top two seeds, or this year the top one. You had a great regular season. You've earned the right to rest till the Divisional Round. Divisional Round is just one step up from the wild card round, but key, it is a world of difference. No, it's a huge world of difference. Wild card, divisional, divisional, one step closer to the championship. Championship, obviously, closer to the Super Bowl. And and when you think about the history of the NFL and the divisional round, this is is where guys' careers are made. This is really where it's made. This is what you remember. Like, you don't remember people's performance in the wild card weekend. Right. You either remember it here or the next round in the championship. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that you remember most. Uh, I go back to the first time I ever played in a divisional round in 1998. Mm-hmm. We played against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And um, 
you know, it was the first time I was in the playoffs and, and just it was one of those deals where it's like, you know what, I'm in New York City, I'm about to kill. I'm about to dominate this thing and take it to the next level. And, and that performance has lived on forever. I mean, you know, scoring in the air, uh, scoring on the ground, uh, recovering fumbles, getting interceptions, blocking, just everything to help my team get to the AFC Championship game. Several weeks later, uh, a week or so later, we wind up playing Denver and losing an AFC Championship game. But it was just great. It was just a great memory to always have. And it's funny you mentioned that because it's one of those things where when you look at it and the way that your career unfolded and everything happened in that particular divisional round game, it's one of those moments where I have a buddy of mine who I went to high school with. It's just a little thing. When we talked about this before, several weeks ago, several months ago, we had talked about this particular game, your first divisional game, and his name is Craig, and he texted me, and he's listening to the show while working on Zoom, and the first thing he texted me was like, ask Key about the pick. (laughs) And I was just like, wait, Key, the pick? Like, you know, he caught passes. He goes, no, 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 ask Key about the pick. So that's just something more than 20 years later, a fan They'll remember that. I mean, you've got everything seared in your mind, but even the fans can just pick out those little moments because the world was watching. Yeah, the, the world is watching. But not only that, it, the interception sealed the game for us. Like it was, you know, if they score in that situation, then now we're on our heels. We're like spooked at this point. They're closing the gap on us with minutes left on the clock. And, and so getting that interception was huge, but even bigger was recovering the fumble. Because Vinny throws an interception, and now we got to hustle. I have to go from the opposite side of the field, much like what DK Metcalf did on the interception of, uh, against Arizona, chase that guy down. I had to hustle, get on my horse, not be lazy, and watch what was going on from a distance. Vinny gets the guy. Wayne helps uh, uh, slow it down. They punch it out, ball bouncing around. But because of the hustle, I'm able to be there. And recover the fumble. You ever had a stat line like that? I mean, think, think about what you just said there. All the catches, the fumble recovery, the pick. I mean, that's quite nah, a stat line. Yeah, no, it, it, it was fun. Just, just put it that way. It was fun. It was one of those deals where it's like, come on, man. Now, that guy that you saw two days ago in the Buffalo game, that was a different guy in the championship. <laughs> I mean, the divisional game. That was my rookie year when I was, didn't know what the hell was going on with the weather. Now, you fast forward to the champion to divisional week. The weather was still cold, but I was a different player. I had grown, Jay. I was a little older, more mature. Not really, but you know, a little older, <laughs> not more mature. You know, uh, Key, we were listening to the coach Bill Parcells talking. I'm curious because I know we're going to play the sound from from 12 gauge. The way coaches can individually motivate people. Um, you know, it, it's just it, it's amazing how some guys just have that special attention to detail, right? And they get who you are. And instead of it being one blanket statement, like this is how I motivate my team, they know how to individually poke and prod you to see what gets you to your highest level. Highest level, Like the blend of being able to do that is so special. Only a certain few have it. Well, it, you know, Parcells, it, the thing that he would, he talks to every, everybody's treated differently, right? I mean, he never treated everybody the same, which you shouldn't as a coach. Certain people need to talk, you need to talk to a certain way. I mean, he would dog curse me and, you know, and I'd put my head down and listen, but at the same time, I might mumble something loud enough for him to hear to know <laughs> that I heard him and, and things of that nature. I remember we were playing against the New England Patriots in one of those Tuna Bowl twos or Tuna Bowl ones or whatever it was called. <laughs> 
and I was sick during the week. And I, I may have practiced once throughout the week in the full go. And he told the media that I had the Ty Law flu as insinuating that I was scared to play against Ty Law. And I just basically said, all you need to do is tell Dan Henning and your staff to get me the damn ball. Don't worry about my illness. And I went out there and I did my thing. I wrecked shop, right? I mean, I, I balled out. And so you think about that. Another time when I was in Dallas, he dog cursed me uh, during the first half of the game. And he told me he'd cut me and trade me. And oh, just just running his mouth or whatever. And I just was like, whatever, man, I'm not even listening to him. You know, other coaches come put their arms around me, try to <laughs> make me feel a certain way. So now we scramble around. Vinny throws the ball deep. I score a touchdown. We win the game. First dude come running toward me as Parcells putting his arms up. Like, oh, I would never trade you. You can play for me anytime. I don't give a damn what anybody says. You know, so it's like he knows what it is to push buttons. And and you always want to have people like that. And I think Urban Meyer is the same way. Uh, I remember famously, well, you may not know this, but my nephew is Michael Thomas and the New Orleans Saints played for Urban at Ohio State. And Mikey wasn't playing much his freshman year, and he was, you know, you know how it goes, oh, I don't want to play, I'm going to transfer, all these sort of things. And Urban Meyer picked up the phone, reached out to me and his dad, and we had a long conversation about what it would take to get him to become the player to help them win a national championship. Here are the little twos to motivate him. And eventually it worked out, and the rest is history. And there's no doubt. Jay mentioned uh, Cardell Jones, known as 12 Gage, was on the show earlier and all the motivational tactics that we just heard coach Parcells talk about how he got key and everybody motivated to succeed the way that they did Cardale go ahead key what you got? No, I was going to say one of the other I was just thinking and yeah. one of the other things is and we talk about this cold weather I don't remember a time where our benches heated benches were turned on with the heat Bill used to take the the equipment staff and make them turn the benches off we we're like dude it's cold because he didn't want us sitting down the first thing you see is watch these games this week. Their, their players are going to be sitting down on those benches trying to get warm opposed to standing up and watching the game freezing cold. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let you have hand warmers, none of that sort of stuff. All of those little things are little motivational tools. Yeah, those little tactics and having heated benches is commonplace throughout the league, but when you want uncommon results, you have to do unconventional things. So Jay mentioned Cardale was on the show, and much like the motivation that Bill Parcells can give at the NFL level, Cardale, who of course played for Urban Meyer, now in the NFL himself, well, it's pretty clear, according to Cardale's words with us earlier this morning, that Urban's ability to motivate is legendary too. I think it goes back to that motivating factor, and he found what made guys tick. And he, he found what pushes guys. I mean, if it's a, a competitive thing as um, pushing them with another guy in the room or if it's a, um, this is a family thing or if it's a pride thing, whatever it may be, he got a great way of connecting with players and making you feel like, man, I don't want to just lose this game for – or I just don't want to just not perform for my team, but I don't want to let my guy down, my head coach down. You know, he got an unbelievable way of connecting with guys that, that really make you – a feel of, um, I want to say, um, almost like you owe him. It's, it's just a crazy feeling playing for a guy like that, that you, you know, you definitely uh, kind of want to make proud. So, Zubin, I was going to say, you know, this is um, – Key talked a lot about Bill Parcells being able to do that. Obviously, Cardell is talking about Urban Meyer doing that. The, the great ones always find a way to plant a seed. 
And I think that's the beautiful thing about when you ultimately blossom, right? You see that you're blossoming with all these other seeds that have been planted around your team. And it makes you collectively come together as one. And you have those special moments. And if that equates to a championship, I know Key had to feel that when they won in Tampa Bay. It's the same kind of feeling that you have, right, uh, with the special ones. And Coach K would motivate me by you know, articulating maybe a quote that somebody said about me that got me angry because I had to be angry. Whereas Mike Dunleavy at times, he would, you know, have conversations with Mike Dunleavy Sr. because he was a coach and Mike Dunleavy Sr. would potentially talk to Mike Dunleavy Jr. Or Chris Duan, the tone of his voice and the way he would talk to Chris would be a little bit different than how he would utilize with Carlos Boozer. And he would be more analytical with Chris, more surgical, watching tape, really picking part in the game as with Carlos. So, you know, understanding within, and I know it's hard to scale within football because Key would be able to explain that bigger because the volume of players, but still the awareness, the astute awareness that you need to know about a lot of your individual players, your best players, and what makes them tick, that doesn't just happen overnight. Like That, that takes constant like uh, awareness and constant working on it, and these guys are fully committed to a standard of excellence that sometimes I don't think a lot of people, if you haven't been coached that way, you don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's well said. I mean, I don't think anybody can understand the bar that guys like Coach K and Bill Parcells expect. You're talking a five-time national champion in college basketball, a two-time Super Bowl winner. You're literally talking about the 1%. It, it, it's amazing, and he talked about my weight. Now, I was heavier because they, they wanted me my rookie. This is, how, this is how, Jay, if you get the wrong coach, man, your career could be ruined. They wanted me to bulk up. When I first got to the Jets, so I didn't, you know, I'm sitting there swole, like you said, look like I got the mumps, like a tied in. I'm big, <laughs> you know, and so Bill gets there and he asked me the question about my weight. And I'm like, he said, I need that guy. So I come back lighter than what he wanted. And he's Damn. like, well, this kid is listening to me. So I understand what motivates him. He wants to be good. And so you when you have coaches like that. That's when you see these big turnarounds and big swings in things. And, and you always say, well, how come this guy like Andy Reid can get the most out of this particular player when others can't, couldn't? Or Tony Dungy or Mike Tomlin, they get the most out of players because they know how to motivate you, they know how to talk to you, and they're real. When you get these phony balonies, you get what the Jets have had for the last couple of years, period, end of discussion. Mm. Mm, that's well said. There's no doubt about it. And if we need any attribution, the official numbers, Parcells asked Key to drop 22. Key dropped 25. So. Yes, there you go. <laughs> he wanted 205. He got 202. On the way, take it or shake it. We got a lot of interesting topics coming your way on this for a huge football weekend. It's a full-scale football Friday coming your way as we get set for the divisional round with Bill's legend Thurman Thomas and the one, the only, Chris Berman. Don't miss it with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/morning code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sports Center update on the eve of divisional round play in the NFL. We got a bunch of NFL stories to get to. First and foremost, Urban Meyer has been hired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's his first foray into the National Football League, of course, as you know. They've got the number one overall pick for the first time in franchise history. They have 11 total draft picks, $100 million in cap room. This is going to be fascinating to see what will happen in Duval. County. Another head coach was hired yesterday. Robert Sala, the 49ers defensive coordinator, is now the head coach of the New York Jets. He is a minority hire. The Jets will make him their new head coach, and the 49ers will receive draft compensation, all part of the NFL's plan to try to make the league a little bit more diverse. Arthur Smith, who is currently the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, has been offered the Falcons head coaching job. That according to our Diana Rossini. So two coaches hired and maybe a third by the end of the day in the ATL. And James Harden, who spent a little bit of time in the offseason in the ATL from what I understand. Now life is over for James Harden and the Rockets. The Rockets have moved on. They beat the Spurs last night in their first game without Harden 109-105. Harden and the Nets will wait to see exactly when his debut will be. Next up for Brooklyn, they'll host the Magic tomorrow at the Barclays Center. Don't expect Kyrie Irving back, they say, until at least early next week. And that is your Sports Center updates. I think you know the rules here. It's pretty darn easy. We'll either take it or shake it. You want it, you don't want it. As easy as can be. And let's start with this. I know Browns fans want this, but can it happen? The Browns season is a success regardless of the outcome of what happens on Sunday against the Chiefs. Take it yes. or shake it. Take it. Take it. How can you complain about making it to the divisional round of the playoffs and you hadn't been in the playoffs since like 1994 or something <laughs> like that? Like, seriously, like be happy that you've arrived to the point where your team has gotten significantly better with Kevin Stefanski as your head coach and Baker Mayfield has grown as a quarterback and not a wasted pick for you. Be happy with it. It, it ends here this weekend, we all know that, and that's what it is. I don't know that, but I, I know you know that. Yeah, I'm, okay, we can disagree on that one. But I, I will say that it's fascinating to me. I don't even think that's a question, Zubin. This year has been a success for them. But think about how much the narrative has changed on Baker Mayfield. Uh, we were talking about this guy not being back on the Browns next year. Or what, what did they do at the beginning of the year, potentially, if it was a bust season for him? And now we're talking about him like he's certified part of their future moving forward. Now he's going to warrant big-time money. Imagine, just imagine, 
with the way crazy things have happened in sports this year, if the Browns did find a way to beat the Chiefs, what kind of stratosphere would Baker Mayfield's name be in after that? How much did you lay on the Browns, Jay? Uh, I haven't laid anything yet, Key. Okay. Still, still pondering. All right. I, I can feel you trying to talk yourself it's into It's trending it, in that direction, though. You know. That'd be quite the haul. That would be quite the haul. You know what they say in gambling. When the public's going one way, go the other. And right now, I think the public's with Key, but we'll see. Just a reminder, Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. The Chase to land Urban Meyer has been completed for the Jags. Now the real question, brass tacks long-term. Urban Meyer will lead the Jaguars one day to a Super Bowl title. Take it or shake it. Shake it! Shake it! Yeah, it, 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 Urban Meyer leading the Jags to a Super Bowl title. That's so far from it. I mean, look, he, I don't think he's going to stick around long enough to see it fully develop to the point where this is not college football. You can't get one or two players – and then turn things around. This is, takes a while. He's got to get used to the program, understanding the program, get the type of players in there for the systems that he want to run. And by by the time he gets to playoff type, deep run contending team, he'll be tired of coaching. I would think. You know, he's a four year and gone guy. You know, Zubin, I I hope that he can, but I I do want to bring it back it's to a, take a point it or shake that it, Jay. you. I know, but you, you say take it or shake it. I give context, Key. Um, I do go back to what you've said twice now during our show thus far. The reason why he stepped away a couple of times is due to health. Yeah. Does that just go away all of a sudden, especially with a more high-pressure job? I'm, I'm, start, I'm with you. I, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. He had to leave Florida due to health reasons, Ohio State for the same. There may have been other mitigating factors with Ohio State. I know there's some Meyer critics out there for that. I should mention Meyer is 56 when it comes to age. By the time training camp rolls around, he will be 57 years old. So Meyer got his shot. Guess who's looking for his? Next up, Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, will get a, ho- will get a head coaching job in this coaching cycle Take it or shake it with two jobs down, maybe a third, but done by the end of the day. Take it. Take, Take it. it. Yeah, he'll, he'll get hired. It's just going to be a late hire. Uh, you know, there's still a couple jobs that's out there. The Chargers, for instance. You got Detroit that's there available. You have the Houston Texans that's available. So he'll have an opportunity. It's just going to take a minute. As I start to dissect this thing even further, you cannot not hire Eric Bieniemy because he's making a deep playoff run makes no makes no sense at all and I think the league would be up in arms if he was not hired this season. Key, if you're Eric Bieniemy and it came down to the Houston Texans or the Kansas City Chiefs as your two options, stay as an OC, sign a bigger contract, or go coach the Texans. I think I know what you're going to say. Which one would you do? I'm gonna go coach the Texans. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go coach the Texans because. Clearly, they need my services, and if I go to, if I go and I do what I'm supposed to do and I do it well, it'll be egg on their face, not mine. No See, I, I feel like I was – I don't know, Zubin. I feel like I might stay with KC. I, do I want to deal with Jack Easterbay and Nick Casario? Like, you know, how much control do I actually have? I know I have Deshaun Watson on my side. Hopefully, that could be enough, but do I want to deal with all that? And, and Key has made mention of this multiple times. Non-football people making football decisions. Do you want those people over you? Well, Nick Casario is a football person. And I he'll understand. Be, he'll be making the decisions along with the new head coach. So it's a different 
it's a different scenario than it was two weeks ago. And here's why, quickly, I would choose the Texans as well. It's not going to take much. One bad season, something doesn't go right, suddenly the enemy's not a hot candidate anymore. Think about this. The Chiefs are on fire, and suddenly he's not a hot candidate, right? I mean, they've done nothing wrong, and he's decelerated in the process. Imagine what happens if something actually goes wrong when you have the opportunity to get an NFL job. You have to take it. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. The Nets will win the NBA title. Take it. Shake it. That's it. Shake it. Yeah, it's over with. Man, Lakers of course he would say it, shake Stop it. He's it. a Lakers fan. <laughs> He's a Lakers fan. Stop it. They first got to figure out if Kyrie even want to play. Look, man, it, it, if Kyrie comes back, granted, do they need to find a big, but it, it, would, be, it would be a great matchup having the Lakers versus the Nets. Keep great matchup. Yeah. Take it or shake it, Jay. Oh, I'm, I'm taking the Nets winning one. Ooh, there you go. There we go. So it's a and, and, and I'm, also, I'm also with Perk. If the Nets don't win one and LeBron is – able to turn it up at this age to get it done. Uh, I, I have never seen Jordan go through a trio like it's established here in Brooklyn, if it pans out that way. Jay Will said LeBron ain't nothing unless he win a championship. That's what Twitter uh, getting did, ready to say. I, I did not just say that. Why do you keep making stuff <laughs> no, that, up, That's man. what Twitter going to say. You know how they can do it. See, Zubin, <laughs> this is what we deal with on a daily basis, just changing the narrative man, so I, quick. That, I'm saying that's what Twitter going to do, not me. I'm saying because you mentioned LeBron's name. So you know how that's going to look. Oh, Jay Will said, even though that's not what you said. And lastly, I would t- tell you as a Michael apologist, and I'm one of the biggest Michael apologists you'll ever meet, the reason Michael never had to sweat is he never needed to go seven games in the NBA Finals. Six championships, six Zubin. years. Enjoy never him. a seventh Enjoy game. them both. It's a team sport, Zubin. Enjoy team them sport. both, Zubin. Enjoy them both. All right. All right. I just don't understand how y'all be forgetting about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but what? I just, I don't know. I hear you on that. I don't know how you forget about yeah. that, though. He's right there. He's right there. He's right there. And just in case I didn't do this, or maybe we get an extra one. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger's always there to help. Call, click Granger.com slash safety or just stop by. On the way, guess who's going to stop by? He's got one of the best jobs in college football, but it's also one of the most pressurized jobs in the sport. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian is next. I think for Sark, it ends up being an absolute great hire for the Texas Longhorns. He has to understand the Texas landscape because recruiting down there is very political. I think he'll do a good job. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. 
Those last words came courtesy of Sam Ellinger. He's off to the NFL, so the next man up in Austin, a guy known for developing quarterbacks, is going to have to find one of his own. It's one of the most pressure-packed jobs in the industry. And we should mention Texas has not finished, fellas. They have not finished in the top five in like a decade. They have not finished in the top five in a decade. He doesn't look Texas to me, though, right? <laughs> what just, does Texas look like, Keith? He just, I know Sark. That's my <laughs> man. It just doesn't. Watching him pull a little, um, what the heck you call the thing? The fire thing, the shoot the cannon, a little cannon thing. He just doesn't look Texas. I'm like looking at that. Even when he pulled it, he stepped back because he was like, yeah, I don't want that thing backfiring on me. It's like, yeah. He looked husky. He looked Trojan. To a degree, I got used to seeing him in Alabama. I don't know if I'm going to get used to seeing him in a Longhorn uniform. Well, I'll tell you what, the exit at Alabama was unbelievable. If the entrance at Texas is half as good, it's going to be great for Longhorn Nation. And if you want to see, by the way, Jay, if you want to see what uh, Texas looks like, Coach Sarkeesian is joining us on FaceTime, so we can actually visually do that. He joins us this morning. Congratulations, Coach. Thanks for being here. I just want to start with that number. I mean, this is a program that is used to being competing for national championships, five-star recruits, but not a top-five finish through no fault of your own. You're on the job for a couple days. What's it going to take to get the Longhorns back to that level? Well, I think there's a lot of levels to that. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on, but you know, the, the, one of the keys is, A, let's just start with recruiting. The best players in the state of Texas cannot leave this state. Mm. And clearly, when you watch the national championship game the other night, there's too many players on Alabama's roster and Ohio State's roster uh, from the state of Texas. So the first and foremost, you know, we, we've got to lock the gates here in the state. We've got to have great relationships with the high school coaches. That's first and foremost. I think the second thing goes to, developing a real team, a real culture. You know, a lot of people recruit four- and five-star athletes. Uh, the challenge is, is creating a team and a team that plays as one. Uh, so those are probably the two mainstays that, that need to occur. And then ultimately, we got to hire a great staff that's a developmental staff that has great schemes, that out-coaches, out-prepares our opponents. Sark, you've been part of historical offenses, whether it was at USC or Alabama, and you got guys winning Belitnikoffs and Heisman Trophies and Remington Awards and, and Davey O'Brien Awards. What made this offense at Alabama special opposed to the ones that you were part of at USC? Well, I think we had great veteran leadership key. Um, you know, we had a veteran offensive line. Um, whenever Devontae Smith decided to come back when, jo- when Ruggs and Judy left, we had a veteran wide receiver, um, and then when Najee Harris decided to come back, we had a veteran running back. You know, a little bit of the uncertainty at quarterback, but I think we saw Mac Jones, who was uh, a guy who had been in the program, had really persevered, had worked extremely hard, uh, came to Alabama regardless of Tua in the same signing class or Jalen Hurts being there. Uh, so I think the leadership was there, and then ultimately I think it was the buy-in. These guys really bought into the multiplicity of the things we wanted to do. Uh, they understood why we were trying to do the things we were doing, and then they took advantage of the opportunities on game day when we got the looks that we wanted. Sark, when you look at the opportunities that were out there for you over the last couple of years, whether it was Colorado, Mississippi State, and some other schools, in the end, what ultimately led you to accept the Texas job? Well, you know, as you guys, it's well documented. I was obviously the head coach of the University of Washington, inherited a program that was 0-12 um, and took that place over and, and went on to go to four straight bowl games before going down to SC. And when I got to SC, we were still 
halfway on probation. The scholarship numbers were way down, and that was a tall task to kind of regenerate that program. And it really still hasn't gotten out of that that the pro from the probation era. So when I got to Alabama and we were having the success we were having, I just said to myself, you know, I realized at that point, okay, I'm going to get another shot, um, but it better be the right one because this one might be it. So I just wasn't really looking for a total rebuild. Um, and, you know, as, as jobs came and went and I was, I was saying no, when Texas came and I really started to study the job, look at the roster, uh, look at the things they had in place here, the resources, the facility was already being built, uh, be done here this June or July. Uh, there were a lot of pieces in place to where uh, it wasn't a complete rebuild. It was something I don't, I don't think we're that far away. Definitely we have work to do. And then clearly the brand of Texas, uh, it's an iconic brand, the rich history and tradition, the great players that have come through here, the national championship. So all in all, it's set up to where this was, a, this was really a no-brainer for me to go take this job. Sark, when the announcement came out, uh, my phone started to get blown up. Uh, by guys like, you know, Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant. Rich Kleiman manages Kevin Durant, obviously KD playing for the Brooklyn Nets, about how much they love the hire and how much they love Texas football. And it made me start thinking, the resources that you have at Texas are unlimited. How do you plan to, as people are connecting with you, how do you plan to deploy those resources to accomplish your goals? Well, I think one thing, Jay, is you know, we, I've got to cultivate those relationships with the people that provide the resources, and that, that's all part of the job. When you, when you take a job like this and you're a head football coach of, of this type of a program, it's not just coaching football. You've got to cultivate the relationships with the donors. You definitely have to do a great job in recruiting. Um, you, know, you have to have a really good relationships with your athletic director. Clearly ours, Chris Del Connie and I uh, have created a, a, a really unique bond very early all those things play out to then what do you do with the resources? It's one thing to have the resources, but making sure that you're using them um, and putting them in the right places for ultimately the success of our players and our team. And I, that can't go unnoticed. You know, everything we have to do in our program is for the success of our players, whether that's on the field, whether it's in the classroom, whether that's life after football, and making sure all those things are in place, A, for our success, but B, for their success. And then for future player success that want to come to University of Texas, that we have these things in place for them uh, to, to have a life where they can succeed and, and do great things. Coach, really appreciate it. We got to run this morning. I know you probably have 100 things on the checklist, so you could mark this one off key. We got one minute to go. Hey, Sark, you're going to have to get rid of them uh, Gucci Jimmy, Jimmy Choo shoes and get some boots now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I might just I might have to bring a little bit more swag to uh, to Austin. That's all right. Yeah, I, I'm looking at you pull. I was looking at you pull a cannon. I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> I I have to admit, man, Bevo Bevo is a is a is a large animal. That took a minute, and the cannon that that was loud. I'll get used to it. Took a minute, but I'll get used to it. All right, man. I'll see you down hopefully in the spring at spring ball. If not, I'll see you in the summer. Congrats, Sark. Alrighty, guys. All Thank right. you. Hook them. Had to get that in, obviously. Dressed Look, that was success. natural. He did that naturally, Zubin. Pretty good. Hook him. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> Buy it. Buy in, Key. Buy in. I don't like it. He a Trojan, man. I don't like it. Last I thing, don't like it. Last thing I would say, Tom Herman spent four years on the job. There was nobody hotter in college football than Tom Herman mm. when he got the job. Sark's super hot now. Hopefully, he'll have a better level of success. We'll see. It's all underway. In Austin, on the way, what should Urban do with that number one overall pick? 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.